today on CityCast Denver. Our guest today went off on Twitter earlier this week about climate change. He had a lot to say about our elected leaders and how they deal with the climate crisis, and I wanted to talk to him about it. Today is Thursday, August 12th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Chase Woodruff, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks for having me. So Chase, you cover climate issues for Colorado Newsline, and with the wildfire smoke and the ozone and the new UN climate report, it's been quite a week on your beat. How are you feeling about it all? Uh, you know, it's it's a little overwhelming. It's, uh, you know, like like everybody, I think everybody in Denver kind of had this experience over the weekend of really feeling like, you know, viscerally like we we are, you know, this is what climate change feels like. And this is what it, what it feels like in the back of our throats and, and our, uh, you know, headaches and, and everything like that. Yes, I I would say that was part of my pre-conversation with my producer about this was this is one of the first times where I'm feeling this thing that we talk about all the time, which I understand is a really privileged place to come from, too, because climate change has been impacting communities for decades on scales much larger than our scratchy throats, you know? Yeah, it it can be it can be invisible. I mean, it it it. It's kind of this, you know, it's literally this invisible gas in the air that's heating up the planet on a long term and global scale. And, you know, it it is slow and gradual until it's not. Yeah. Until it's like in your it's like eventually it's going to impact everyone, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so a couple of days ago, you tweeted this thread of thoughts that really got me thinking about the issue in relationship to Colorado. And so I just wanted to quote one of those tweets now and and kind of just go from there. So you said, if you're a Colorado resident, your local, state, and federal governments are pretty much aligned on a coherent vision of how to respond to climate change and its risks. They are making the choices for you. What did you mean by that? Well, I think that a policy response to climate change, you know, at, at, at pretty much every level of government, whether it's Denver city level or the state level or, you know, now the federal government and the Biden administration, they're all pretty similar in terms of um, their kind of approach to dealing with climate change. I mean, you know, j- one 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 thing we're not talking about now is you know is climate change real i think a lot of people are are on the same page they understand that that climate is a a big threat and we need to act to respond to it and what does that look like and i think that you know as I, as i said in the thread the the policy responses from the local state governments here in colorado and the federal government now all kind of take the same approach, which is that, yes, climate change is real. We should, we need to respond to it. But none of them are, you know, proposing big shifts, I think, in the way that we live now. You know, the the the, the choice that's being made is to slowly bring our levels of greenhouse gas emissions down over the next several decades. And, you know, we will we will decarbonize the electricity sector, which means, you know, replacing coal and natural gas generation with wind and solar. And that will happen over the next several decades. And so the idea is that, you know, kind of gradually over the next several decades, without really 
making anybody change a lot about the way they live their lives, we will bring these emissions down. And we should understand that that choice isn't exactly, you know, that there could be choices, other choices that are made. And you kind of bring up this point that I feel a lot of folks are feeling right now, which is do those choices. Okay, so those are the choices the government is Mm -hmm. making with larger legislation and, and sort of unfortunately passing the buck into the next generation. But in this immediate time to the things that we do as individuals, do those changes matter? Does driving less matter? Does driving an electric car matter? Does mowing your lawn at night instead of in the middle of the day, is that going to really make an impact? It, you know, in the aggregate sense, I think those things can make an impact. I mean, uh, you know, it, it I think everybody understands that one person choosing to, uh, you know, mow their lawn at night isn't going to ultimately make that big of a difference in terms of uh, air quality. The thing that I think sometimes gets lost when we focus too much on those, you know, personal individual choices is, you know, we're making those choices within the context of a system and a set of conditions that's being created by sort of larger structural decisions that are being made by, you know, uh, policymakers and, and governments. And, you know, I can decide whether, for example, to take the bus to work in the morning instead of driving my car, but... I didn't directly decide, you know, how often is the bus coming and how much are we funding, you know, the the, the public transit agency that is running that bus? And um, do I live in a neighborhood that decades ago was built densely enough to support, you know, public transit in, in my neighborhood? And where am I going to work? And, and, and things like that. So, you know, I think what what state officials sometimes say is that, when when you talk about different different kinds of polluters, like there are only so many coal plants in Colorado, and they're owned by utilities, and there are there are a small number of actors in that sector, and so it's it's you can kind of get more directly at pollution in in that sector because you're only regulating you know a, a small number of entities, whereas there are millions of cars driving on Colorado roads every day, and and changing that behavior is a is a much different kind of regulatory and and tr- structural policy question. So an, another tweet from this thread that you posted was how much carbon will be in the atmosphere when we finally stop emitting it. Again, it's the most important question of our lifetimes. And the people in charge in Denver, in Colorado, in the federal government have decided for you that it doesn't really matter. How can you tell that they've made that decision for us? What, you know, one of the largest sources of carbon emissions is electricity generation, right? Coal plants, natural gas plants. Um, and in Colorado, we still get a lot of our uh, electricity from coal and natural gas, and that's emitting carbon into the air. And what, you know, kind of the, the what XL Energy, uh, Colorado's largest utility and one of the kind of the big players in this discussion has said is they want to uh, get to zero carbon uh, emissions, and they're, they want to do it and they are planning to do it without raising utility rates and, and what you pay in your electric bill every month faster than the rate of inflation over the next you know several decades. They're targeting 2050. That's a that's a choice. I mean, that's we we have decided that we don't want a, our electricity bills to go up very much um, to solve this. And you know, there are other choices that could be made. And so. 
if you've decided that you aren't going to cause a lot of near-term costs and dis- disruptions, which I think more or less we have decided, you are deciding that you're going to pay those costs later. And that's what the science says. Um, I mean, if you if you want to talk about we need to get to zero carbon emissions, well, I mean, theoretically, at one end of the scale, you could pass laws worldwide saying no more we're going to shutter all the coal plants tomorrow and we're not going to drive cars anymore. Obviously, you wouldn't do that because that would cause all kinds of suffering and mayhem and, and you'd have, you know, worldwide blackouts. And so no one's talking about that. Um, what is at the opposite end of the spectrum is, well, let's just do what's convenient today and what we can manage today. Like maybe new, like the cost would be be new infrastructure for alternative sources of that energy instead, and we're not willing to pay now. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think that uh, it, there's been any demonstrated appetite at any level of government to say, yeah, we 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 would want to get to zero carbon emissions faster with significantly higher electricity bills. I mean, the the kind of uh, most of what you see, uh, the decisions being made, are how do we get there while still keeping electricity affordable today? You know, another thing is is uh, you know in terms of what are the costs we are taking on today versus later is you know the the largest source of carbon emissions is the transportation sector, cars and trucks being a big part of that, and that's another area where. We have decided we don't want really to change a lot about the way we all get around right now. We just passed the $5 billion transportation funding bill in Colorado that pretty much keeps kind of the the, the same formulas in place in terms of, well, we're going to spend a lot of money on highways and we're going to spend a a significant amount on kind of transitioning to electric cars and that that will take several decades. Um, And we're not saying we want to make big changes tomorrow to the way we all get around, even though, again, that's that's a choice that we're making. And, and you know, that <laughs> I'm not sure what else to say. Yeah. That's a choice we're making. <laughs> I know. I was trying to think about when we voted on fast tracks, just like, I mean, I've lived in the city my whole life and we continue to just build highways. <laughs> like we don't make it any easier to ride the bus. We make it harder to ride the bus. So... Those are big. Those are big choices we're making. Um, I guess is there anything that makes you hopeful, or anything that c- could give us some hope in the future of this issue? <laughs> <laughs> some sometimes, I, I think there. The like really in the last few years, you've seen a sea change in kind of the way everyday people talk about this. You know, it's a, it's a question of, it's an open question whether that has kind of filtered up to the level of policymaking. Um, I think to a certain extent it has, and especially the federal government, you know, you're, you see uh, under the Biden administration a much different approach to climate change than we had under the Trump administration, to put it mildly. And, and um, there there's going to be some in all likelihood, some some big climate things happening at the federal government level. And, you know, as, you know, obviously the federal government has more power to change these things than the local or state government does. So, you know, there's there's a lot more, I think, awareness. And we are getting to the point where 
as we saw this weekend, people are really viscerally experiencing the impacts of this. And um, I think that that awareness and that sort of popular will to confront these issues has really come a long way, I think. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. Yeah, I agree. I know it sounds cliched, but I do have a lot of faith in the next generation's work on climate change versus, say, my age group. You know, not saying that we didn't do anything, but um, there is that hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Well, Chase Woodruff, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And here's what else is going on in Denver today. After being closed for almost two weeks because of flash flood triggered mudslides, Governor Polis says the I-70 corridor through Glenwood Canyon will reopen this Saturday. Or at least it will partially reopen. According to CPR, lanes will be open in both directions with a few sections of the highway still closed off because of ongoing issues. Like a massive hole the governor is calling the pothole from hell. It seems some Coloradans may have already snagged an unofficial booster shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. According to the Colorado Sun, the CDC has not officially determined if a third dose will make the vaccine more effective, but the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment says the state's immunization registry shows more than 6,000 people have received a booster dose. The CDC is still debating whether booster vaccines should be authorized for immunocompromised people. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Potholes, the common problem in Colorado.